I took over the, the role of skipper when I was 24. And for me at the time, it was like I had to be the voice. I had to be the one that was, you know, dominating games and being the influence and looking after everyone and just like, I feel like I spread myself too thin everywhere. The wolf is not the leader of the pack. He doesn't walk out in front. The, the true leader stands behind all the way at the back and he watches the pace of the pack. You've been given the opportunity, you know, to lead your wolf pack. That's, that's something that's super special and not everyone gets to do. Witnessing Job and the way he held himself throughout that saga and just being the front man of it all and all he cared about was just protecting, protecting his teammates and he took the brunt of everything. That's what makes us elite because we're a little bit nuts. Mitch Creek. Beck Cole. For champion. This is the Performance Circus. <laughs> Welcome back to the Performance Circus with Mitch Creek and the one and only Beck Cole. Now today we are going to continue on sorting through the clutter of elite behaviors, mindset and lifestyle. And we're going to handball to Beck Cole and introduce who we're speaking to today. He has played 235 games for Essendon Football Club. He's been part of the leadership group since he was 20 and skipper for six years. And now I'm going to handball over to Dyson Heppel. Yeah, there we go. Welcome. <laughs> Lovely. I love it. Thanks, gang. Fresh off a barley trip too. Look at him <laughs> tan yeah, and glowing. Little glow. And to, and to start you off, hot off the press, thanks to Champion. We couldn't do this episode without them today. Have a, have a look at your pizza slice. It's, it's pretty pretty bloody cool. There's no oh, pineapple on it. <laughs> There's no pineapple. Do you run pineapple on pizza? No. <laughs> if you run on pineapple on pizza, you're getting booted off this nice. podcast well, before it starts. Nice pizza, donut so. champion tea for you. That's gross. Thanks to the crew of champion. Good work. Thanks, That's great. Guys. I'll be rocking this. Well, Dice, what we want to get in with you today, we really want to talk about leadership. You've been... I guess you started that journey really early in your career, which is really impressive. Um, Creaky, you and I are also captains of our uh, basketball teams. And I think the first question I really want to start you off is, is were you born a leader or is this something that you grew into? Because it's not a natural thing for everyone. Yeah, no, it's a great share. I think growing up um, from a young age, I was always quite vocal, so quite confident in myself. Um but I think, I think you and I may have actually been the skippers of the under-12 VPSSA b-ball team. We need to find yeah. a photo of that. We do. <laughs> Guaranteed. So both of it, all of us go way back actually, which is unreal. And it's been amazing to follow the journeys of, of the three of us as we've been going. And um, But I think coming back, like, yeah, leadership was – it was probably more natural, I think, growing up um, as a kid, always just, you know, having a crack at whatever it may be. And um, I was always one that was – just trying to encourage everyone else around me just to get the best out of themselves, I guess. And, uh, yeah, and then, you know, as I went along, you you learn to develop new skills, you learn to to know how to push and prod and who to cuddle and things like that. So it's been quite a journey, but, um, you know, I do love the growth aspect of leadership, yeah. I think, like, we grew up Country Vic boys. We, You're a Langatha boy. I'm back from the the country of Horsham. Horsham Beck was <laughs> Beck's one of the the more metro gals. Repping the babs. Yeah, she's uh, she's one of the ones we didn't really want to talk to too much. But hey. we had a uh, like under sixteen 
national champs. Yeah. Vic Country together is where we first met and you're a bit of a, a, a two-prong athlete at the time. You were a gun at footy, you were a gun at basketball, you were a little shooting point guard, you did a bit of everything and I guess there's a lot of basketballs that transition into footy really, really naturally but then you don't see the progression from AFL into basketball but you definitely made the jump clearly now as a captain as a an all-australian in afl you've been very dominant for a long time now but do you feel that there's a transitional statement that multi-sport athletes are those that are better suited for the games that we do play like i have always done multiple things you've always played multiple sports the guys that grow up and just play footy yeah. i feel like aren't as dominant as some of the guys that come into the league and have been basketballers or have been you know, other multi-sport athletes. Do you kind yeah. of see that as well? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, guys that have played prior to me, you look at like Scott Pendlebury, Jared Ruffhead, guys like this that um, just have that vision and awareness, which is com comes from a basketball background. Um, but there's certainly a hell of a lot of crossover. Even just the, you know, the ability to, you know, in tight spaces, things like that, and and being able to work through those type of situations. And, um, yeah, I reckon the, the basketball had a major part to play in I guess my progression as a footballer definitely um but yeah I think you know mate I reckon we we met way earlier than that we used to like come have some great tussles with the Horsham Hornets back in the day <laughs> we hated you guys mate, yeah. we absolutely hated you. you had 50 on us in one of the games and I remember it was the easiest 50 I've ever seen <laughs> coming from me who literally couldn't fall out of a boat and hit water in the ocean mate, when I shot so I, dropped, I did drop 50 but I'll also, we got done because you had a stacked team. Yeah, we, we had a, had a, we stacked had a team. filthy team. I remember just crying. I was a, <laughs> I was actually a horror sport when I was like just a, yeah, a sore loser, a real sore loser when I was young. But anyway, yeah, I did drop 50 on you. You did. <laughs> I just, I, that was the, the first 50 ball I ever had. And it's the last one I've actually ever had against Dude. our team. But we had a gun Man, squad. a gun squad. A and lot you, of guys that played AFL even now. We had yes. Jake Lloyd. Yep, Lloyd yeah. um, Danny Kennedy was even on our team okay. we had on the, on the podcast. Michael O'Callaghan, Big Micka, Riley, Riley yeah. McFarlane. Yeah, had a team. We had a, an absolute squad. Sean Bruce. Legit. You know, there's yeah. there's quite a talented list there. But You need to have a good celebrity uh, basketball matchup team, I think. That's a lot of country boys coming out and doing good things. Yeah. But you weren't the man then. No, I suck. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> until like 16, and you just went bang. Yeah. He just looked the... like he did a million chin-ups a day. <laughs> <laughs> I remember going to the AIS and I was like, why are you so shredded? We're all like Checking just hit puberty. <laughs> that is true. Nuts. Do you think there's a difference between being a leader of a basketball team can be compared to being a leader of a football team? Because for me, we're a bit smaller. There's, you know, maybe 10 to 15 people. Well, in the women's league, we have maybe three coaches yes, if yes. you're lucky. Whereas I feel like with football, it's almost like, a high school, like there's so many people involved. Yeah, that's a good shout. It'd be interesting to like feed off you guys on this one because you do see the ego dynamic of basketball um, and the, the big personalities and whatever, and no doubt they're there in footy. But for, for mine, I guess I probably didn't play to like little country boys. We were cruising yeah. in, in under 16s, but more so the elite level when there is like, you know, there's, there's a gun, there's a couple of like key guns where it'd be a, you know, a tough dynamic to to navigate at times. Oh, just on footy, I think you need a you need a leadership group to be able to create a culture and foster a really healthy environment for guys to thrive in. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, because you do have so many people, and you know, they're 
at, at the elite level, it ranges from 18 to 35 or whatever. So it's um, so many different personalities and, you know, I'm not going to suit – my leadership style is not going to suit everyone. So you do need a team around you to be able to navigate that, yeah. I think it's hard because what you touch on, basketball is pretty simple because you've probably got three groups. You've probably got the – the mature veterans that have been around a lot longer and understand the game, they understand the leadership qualities that you kind of, you know, put forth every single day. And a lot of it's just lead by example, don't say too much. And as you said, you cuddle the right people, you're aggressive and firm with others, you're understanding and a little quieter on the side. But then in footy, there's like probably 15 groups. Yeah. And then there's guys that aren't playing up and down lists. And you've got to walk into the room and kind of have that voice over everyone to an extent and i've always attributed leaderships to wolves and mm. i love the the saying of you know the the wolf is not the leader of the pack he doesn't walk out in front the the true leader stands behind all the way at the back and he watches the pace of the pack he yeah, watches right. how you know the the strongest and the, the the bravest are at the front then it's the sick and the elderly and they set the pace then it's the the core group. Then it's the warriors, and then right at the back, there's the fucking the leader that everyone thinks is them. That's how I've always looked at leadership. Is it's not about being at the front. It's just doing the right thing, making sure everyone's going in the same direction. But with forty five blokes, some are eighteen, walking into a couple of hundred thousand bucks. Some guys are on a million dollars. It's just like holy shit. How am I going to try and get this bunch of hooligans? Essentially, because we're all pretty rough around the neck. Yeah, yeah. When like I've, I remember us growing up. You you think about the camps you went to, and yeah, you know you got your sleeping bag on the floor of the stadium, and they're like you know lights out at nine, and everyone's walking around. Boys on one court, girls in the other court. Guys and girls are sneaking Man, around everywhere. You were the ringleader. Oh, all shut of this. up! Every part of that. I did that not. Is, I did not, not say that story. You guys don't throw. <laughs> you were the wolf that was charging. <laughs> Yeah. Mate, I was biting legs. Yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of how it feels. No, it's like I'll you're trying it. to keep it. people into some kind of alignment of this is the greater good, this is the yep. goal we have, yep. but how do we keep everyone on point? And I think that's a thing I want you to touch on is yeah. in a big group of people, when there are so many people that are straying from the pack almost, mm. how do you kind of navigate, I guess, the whole ecosystem? Because it's not just you, it's the coaches and everyone else. Yep. but in a large group like that, how do you feel your leadership traits have developed, I guess, over the years to help maintain that steady direction of, mm. I guess, the greater good? Yeah. I love your analogy. I reckon yeah, I'm stealing that one, the wolf. Um, I think that has been one of the biggest growth journeys for me. Is like when I took over the, the role of skipper when I was 24, I think 23, 24. And for me at the time, it was like I had to be the voice. I had to be the one that was, you know, dominating games and being the influence and looking after everyone and just like, I feel like I spread myself too thin everywhere, you know? And I felt like I was being my authentic self at the time, but I found it just ended up draining my energy. And in the end, it was like, okay, I need to take care of me first to be able to lead the best I possibly can. And that was to that point of like, take a bit of a backseat, let everyone else be the voice, be the be the influence. And if I need to step in, then you can. And it's like I, I found it quite really interesting journey. The more that I sort of just navigated and watched, and if guys, if you, I noticed guys more that I wouldn't have before. You know, I would be like, okay, I've got a good read on uh, this person where you might be a bit down. You can go and just have a good conversation with them, and do they need a pep up or whatever it may be? And I found like my relationships got a hell of a lot stronger when I just took a bit of a a foot off the throttle a bit 
and just observed and then um, was able to have a much stronger impact, I feel, and felt more relaxed and more authentic in my own leadership. And just like, in the end, it was like, I was just enjoying my footy more and just let things flow. And, um, you know, if the group needed a rev at any stage, I would. It wasn't just like just, you know, a time where it was just like I just had to do it and say everything. So, yeah, it was quite a quite a good learning journey over the six years of Skipper, yeah. Being 24, I think that is so young to lead a team in general, but at 20 you're part of the leadership group, which is massive. Is there one captain you had, especially I want to ask about like James Hurd, did you learn a lot from him? And I guess like what things did he possess that you were maybe like, oh, I know maybe that's not in my toolbox, but I want to add that in because I think that would be great for, you know, when it's my turn to serve. Yeah, for sure. I think it was Hurdy's first year as coach, uh, which was my first year as a player. Um, Barrack for Essendon growing up idolized Hurdy. So it was just an, an amazing experience for me coming in. And he was just a massive influence on my career in terms of not waiting to be a leader, not waiting to, you know, you, you wait your time and then you grow. And then you, he was just like, from the get go, he's like, mate, you just go and set your mark on whatever you want your career to be and wherever you want to steer this club. And so his backing and support was just enormous for me just to, just to go for it. And, um, you know, at times it was like, we had guys at the club in that period that were of the old school mentality of like, you know, earn your respect first. Don't, you know, you can't talk up until, yeah, what do you know? You've been here for three weeks and you're yeah. talking up in front of everyone. Things like that's in the entire early part of my career until I took over the reins from him. And the things I learned from him, from him was his genuine care that he had for his teammates was just phenomenal. Like he would, he would know, you know, the 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 headspace. The even even he could watch you run and and just be like, you, you seem a bit lethargic or whatever. He just had such a good read on the group, um, and and Job just had played a big part in terms of, you know, setting up training, what the weekly loads look like, all all of this kind of stuff that you sort of I wasn't privy to at the time until you I became part of the leadership group and and you just see the influence that he had on the broader club as well was um was really impressive. So. I had big boots to fill after that. <laughs> it's impressive just to hear that there's so many leadership styles. There's there's so many different characters we have to kind of portray ourselves to be, but then you go home and then when you've run around in front of 100,000 screaming Don's fans, like what, what does Dyson do to switch off? Like I know, you know, you've got family, you've got your dog. I know I've seen yep. it all over social media, but what is – what is the the quiet time? Because there's this muse. It's like a quiet that you get in a car after you probably had like someone who's had a really awkward argument. I always tell people this. It's a really awkward argument in your car. They get out of the car and it's dead silent. <laughs> you imagine yeah. that. That's what it feels like for me when I finish a game. When there's 12,000 in a little arena, screaming, going crazy. Everyone's asking, pulling at you in a million different ways. I want this, I want that. But then you go home and there's that muse and it's like, what do I do now? Yeah. Like, what do you do yeah, to sure. kind of get away from the craziness that we've kind of submerged ourselves into? Yeah, sure. It's, um, you know, Don's fans are just incredible. Like, when, when we're up and about, there's nothing better. But also on the other spectrum, when you're not <laughs> up and about, you get absolutely fed. So, yeah. look, and and it is quite addictive, that rush of the crowd and the, you know, and, and, and the best part that I love is that 
I can, I can make someone's day, you know, like you get that feeling of like you give your boots to a kid after a game or just even signing autographs before the game and chewing the fat with the crowd. And um, it is just a, an amazing feeling to put a smile on particularly kids' faces. Um, and so you're, you're sort of encapsulating that bubble during the game and after the game. And, pre and, and then, as you say, you get home and the, whether it's a, you know, the, the sickening feeling of getting smashed or the elation of a huge win sharing that with your teammates, you are just riding on these emotions. And um, I think, you know, for mine, it's taken me a while, but I'm quite good now being able to just get home and sort of putting a cut in that game and then just being able to relax for the afternoon and that, or whatever it may be. And that's, as you say, spending time with Kate, um, my fiance, and hey. couple of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, and it took us 13 years. It was a long apprenticeship. We got um, Good so, on, Kate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, as you say, spend a couple of golden retrievers. Love spending time with the dogs, with close to the beach. So often I'll go down and just have a dip in the beach and sort of rinse off and then and wind down from the game. And I'll find the quicker you can clutter and just declutter your thoughts and get them out and um, and relax as much as you can, your body recovers quicker, you're able to process things, you know, have better conversations and then your week just rolls on and flows from there. So, Do you think that when you said just then, and I kind of picked up on it, but you felt like you go to the beach and you just like rinse yourself, yeah. like that's – kind of shedding the person who you've portrayed yourself to be to everybody because Dyson Heppel isn't Dyson Heppel the footballer. Yeah. And I know we with our previous guest in Danny Kennedy, like we both work with him very closely, but getting rid of that. Yes. That, that shell of who you've kind of portrayed yourself to be to the world, to the 100,000, to the win, the loss, yes. the whatever, the critics, because you get home, there's social media, there's everything. And it's great. Sometimes it's phenomenal. Fuck, it's good. Like, how good is this? Life's great. Yeah. You get home and then you sit there and it's pretty quiet. Kate might be making some food or she might be, you know, sitting there getting some popcorn for a movie and you're like, fuck, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, sure. you have to get rid of that, that little fake person because that's not who you are. That is exactly right. And that has been a process as well of not wrapping my whole identity up in Dyson the footballer. You know, it's, it's something that I do but it's not who I am at the, my deepest core. And um, and I truly feel like I'm at a point now where I've I've really, I'm living that, you know, like I've always said, you know, like people say, don't, you're not, you're not just a footballer, you know, but it's like footy was everything. I was, that was my life. I was obsessed. And then now it's at a point where I'm at the later part of my career, I've had all these experiences. I've had hundreds of teammates, six different coaches, all these, that's just a massive experience. But more for me, it's just like doing the internal work that has allowed me to free myself from that, you know, the the real identity of, of the footballer. So I'm, I'm able to just, you know, navigate whatever that may be um, as best I can, whether it's, you know, social media getting slandered or press conferences when you've lost six games straight or whatever that is like you can you can handle that now, you know. They're so, fun. Yeah. I've been on those lines <laughs> and they're not, they're not very fun. <laughs> they are fun because you kind of have to take the piss of yourself a little bit. Yes. Yeah, be like, yeah I, I fucking suck right now. <laughs> I get that. You lost six on the trot. Yeah, I know. How good is that? Know, and we that, should try and make it seven. <laughs> yeah, and credit to you too, mate. Like you do handle those situations unbelievably well. And like I reckon you're from, you know, so whenever, from young kids to your development as a leader and as a person has just been phenomenal to watch so um 
Yeah, so I'll throw that in there. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, quick plug. Oh, quick plug. I'll, pump out that <laughs> I'll take. I'll give you that twenty bucks after. <laughs> I'll pay for your parking. Yeah, but no, it's sick. It's it's like it's been really cool to come on this journey together. And you know, you were you were a young leader yourself, and um, yeah, it's been it's been really interesting just to, I guess, track our journeys and um, yeah, the, like as we've spoken on the lines, you just learn so much as you go. It is nuts how it does take so long or towards the end of your career to actually realise, hey, I'm more than just an athlete. Like mm. I honestly, mine probably happened like two or three years ago. Yeah. But I don't think it was like fully accepted. That's the word I love to use because I might say it and I might really believe it. Yes. And then you're in a really shitty period and you're like, yep. Definitely don't like, no, I don't 100% believe that, do I? And I feel like I've gotten to that stage finally, just like you have. Um, But do you just find now that you've accepted it, like you said, you have more of yourself to give, maybe are you more vulnerable to your teammates? Uh, And do you think that you can actually get back more from them than you could maybe when you were 24? No doubt. No doubt, Beck. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, I think – it also, I reckon, at the back end of last year, I handed over the captaincy as well, and and I was so ready for that. Like I'd, I'd feel like my time was done as the skipper. There was a new coach coming in. Zachy Merritt had he does a power of work to work on himself, and he was just blossoming into this leader. And what I didn't realise though, like at the time, the amount, the weight off the shoulders when I actually announced that I was handing over the reins, and and just felt this real just lightness and 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 freedom. And and then from there, it was like. All right, how much fun can I just have with my footy? Mm-hmm. And then to that point, it was like, all right, if I'm in just in this really healthy frame of mind and just like being able to just let negative emotions flow through me, all that kind of stuff, my body was healthy, I was enjoying myself, and it was like I felt like um, guys would warm to me a hell of a lot more. So it was this really interesting transition period where I nearly think I handed over the reins as a skipper and nearly became a better leader off the back of that, just from just like the pure, just relaxing and whatever, just being myself. But I feel like all the bank of work that I'd done over the years would sort of just come to the fore and um, and then you're in just in a really healthy space to, to be able to lead. And as a, an elite athlete, it has its highs of highs and its lows of goddamn lows. <laughs> um, you've had a very like big journey of being in the leadership group and the captaincy when you had this supplement saga. That that's all. That's AFL is so huge in this country. I just feel like I, I couldn't even imagine having to go through what a what a club could or what people want to you know say to you emails letters yeah, like on Instagram. Yeah. But for you, I don't really want to talk about that. I want to talk about how did you feel like you had to lead this team after that, and I guess how did you get the group together? How did you get the coaches and the staff? To be like, we are a unit. Forget the outside. We've we've served our time. Mm. We're not bad people. Yeah. Everyone makes mistakes. But talk about maybe a little bit through that journey of, damn, this whole thing just happened. That's a huge load. <sighs> yeah. What okay. now? How do we how do we go about that? Yeah, guaranteed. It was a, just like it's funny now. Like I look back, I have no ill feelings. I have no regrets or whatever it is towards that time period. But. Um, you know, going through that that phase was that was a real eye opener to be like, okay, I really have to do the work here, not to wrap myself up in the identity of a footballer, because that could just bring me undone completely. Mm-hmm. So um, that was a massive growth period for me. Um, you know, when it when all that began, I was nineteen. 
obviously I was really young and then it wasn't until I was 22 maybe we or three that we ended up having the year off um and then you know it was just a, a whirlwind of emotions that just was this huge pool of chaos at times um but for me I reckon I grew a lot through that period because for mine it was more I was more worried about my teammates you know I, I had guys that that literally ended their careers that was their they were done after that and that's you know I, I just felt enormous just sadness for for a lot of my teammates and um and then you know looking at it coming in back into the preseason I was just in more of a space of gratitude for footy you know I was like I just love this game I missed it so much mm -hmm. not being able to play not being able to go to the club I couldn't even train at proper grounds. We were having, a, you know, it was it was a bizarre kick, little kick in the backyard. Literally, literally. <laughs> the four and, trees just cut one of the and There's the goals. Look at that. No doubt. And it was, you know, it took me time to get to that period, but it was like, man, I just like I was just buzzing when we got back to the club, and I'd taken over the reins as a skipper. Jared Roughhead uh, grew up with his family and that in Langatha. He'd taken over the captaincy at Hawthorne, and we played each other round one Friday night in front of like ninety five thousand. And I was like, this is the best feeling I've ever had, you know, running out, leading the team. And just the, the experience of that was just incredible. And, you know, just when you're in flow, I just hit this game. I probably played the best game of my life. I was kick. I've, I don't reckon I've ever kicked a snag outside fifty, and I was just. I was hit. Dropped a couple well. of sixties, some nights, like, some super goals. I don't know what was happening. It's probably because he had a year of good bloody rest. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah right. it's fresh as bugger. <laughs> Put um, the feet up for a year, and all of a sudden he's kicking torch from the center. Nearly yeah. <laughs> a mid-career breather and fire up again. But it was like, yeah, look, navigating that period back was like, I think that it, it held me in really good stead that I could get to that space of just gratitude and love for the game again. Um, would have been tough if I just had a, held on to a lot of resentment and, you know, anger towards the club, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it may be. And um, But no, not that wasn't the case. And, you know, I just had a, a lot of fun throughout that year and it's continued on. Yeah. I think one of the cool things was my – off-season, I was in Adelaide at the time and my off-season was actually coming over to Melbourne and play for Nunna Wadding. Yep. And during that space of time, I actually worked out with the Bombers yep. for a couple of months. And I remember that was kind of the year it broke. True. And I remember thinking, like, at the time, I was kind of struggling in basketball. I went through a really good junior program, under-19 Worlds, like a world MVP. And then you come into a, prog like a program where there's grown-ass men who are centers, shooting threes, doing all the shit you can't do. And then the guards are just running past you every single day. And then everyone's kind of making you look silly. You're not getting the minutes. And I was like, maybe I want to play footy. Yeah. I grew up playing footy. I love footy to death. And I remember having that conversation and thinking, this could be a real go. Yeah. Like I actually really enjoyed it. And I remember doing the time trials. And then I remember like, that's the fucking why I don't like footy. <laughs> I was so like on the edge. Oh, right. And then they're yeah. like, okay, you need to do a 3K time trial. I was yeah. like, Fuck, 3Ks. I was like, righto. They're like, yeah. So the midfielders are doing like, I think it was 315s yep. or something like that. Yep. And then yep. the, the the forwards and the the ruckman were doing like, I think it was 345s. Yeah, still pretty cool. And I remember my first K was like 410. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm it, only going down here. Just keep running the car park. Right? <laughs> I was like, okay, so uh, I don't have the conditioning for AFL. But I actually remember the time of just speaking to the crew that were there and the management they're in and they were yeah. like, hey, how have you enjoyed it? And I was like, I've loved it. And you had a court at your facility True. as well. And yeah. you guys were all down there and working out. I remember being in the locker room and looking around. I saw your locker and your boots in there. I was going to steal them and put them somewhere else, but I didn't. <laughs> but I just remember the feeling of like, 
I visualize myself in that space mm. and then thinking like this could be home one day. Yep. Was there ever a point during your journey that you thought, imagine if I went and just stayed with basketball? Yeah, right. Have you ever thought of that? It's probably a question you've never been asked, no, but I feel like cool. a lot of basketballers have the opportunity to blend back into yep. footy because it's a lot more natural, confined sure. spaces like you said, but the other way around. Have you ever thought, you know what, I'd love to, I've given it a great crack, I've done a lot of great, you know, all Australian, you know, best and fairest, I've been a captain, a skipper, I've gone through some of the worst times in the AFL but now, could I ever see myself playing another sport? <laughs> Mate, that's Could like, you ever do that, you reckon? I lo- like, I, I love basketball still. I love it. And we've, we've got a court there at the, at the club and it's awesome to be able to just shoot around and whatever. But, mate, I think I think for me, it's like I got to the, you know, I was a weapon when I was 12 yeah. and then got to the age <laughs> of about 16. That's when you started just flying and my, you know, wheels fell off the wagon at that age. So <laughs> it was a pretty clear cut direction for me to go down the footy path. But, um, man, like, I, I get a buzz still though watching watching you play watching the NBA all of that follow that with a passion so it's like mate no doubt if I had the dream I'd go and play <laughs> NBA and be on an enormous quid over there that'd be nice but but yeah look at the same time yeah just being able to be drafted playing footy for the club I grew up barracking for is uh, is pretty special do you think if they had an all-star game AFL's top 10 you know, ex-basketballers, yeah. now AFL players, you give them six months of training. True. You brought them over to play against an NBL side right now. <laughs> Imagine that. How do you reckon you would fare and who would you have in your starting five oh, over the bad. past decade? That's not bad. Because you've got some talented guys, Pendles, yourself. Man, I don't even know if I, I don't think I'd make it. I wouldn't make the five. Well, you're the, you're the skipper, oh, so I'll you've got to pick yourself. I'm point guard. As you say, you have Nat Nui for sure. Nat Nui. Because Matty out of, out, of, out of nowhere, did you ever yeah. watch that? I think we have to overlay this. Nat Nui at a Perth Wildcats game, they said, hey, mate, do you want to do a dunk? And they gave him the ball at yeah. halftime and he walked up in, I think, jeans and he did a between-the-legs dunk. I Freakish. swear to God, it's the wildest thing I've ever seen. You've got to YouTube this. Mate. We're going to find it and put it over the top. But no, I remember yeah. seeing this and thinking, what the what the hell? What's <laughs> off its head? So you've got yourself, Matt Newey, Matty D. We'd have, I reckon, Matty D be there for sure. He was a weapon. And then Pendles, Ruffy, who else can we reel off? Then... Oh, what about like Hugh Greenwood? Huey, yeah. Oh, Huey. Got it. Classic. All I yeah. remember from AIS the days and child. Huey, classic skip over. He was ever on the bench. <laughs> Getting around. And we would just take the piss. We're like, he's so oh. intense. Loved it. But just like the clap of following Creaky down the floor if you did a good thing. Love that. Love, love Huey. That's <laughs> a big That's a big shout out oh. right there. Yeah, huge. Absolute start it's a of the team though. That's a great squad. But with a bit of training, Huey came down this preseason actually. And we were working out at MSAC. I said, hey, mate, you want to come for a run around? We're going to play some like three on three, four on four. And he's like, yeah, sweet. He came down. And I tell you what, he was the best player to play with pick and roll still. Dead set, yeah. Throwing dimes, making shots. <laughs> and he's like, what the fuck? what's going on here? I was like, mate, if you, we might be out of point guard at some yeah. point. You need to sign up, mate. He's, he still had it. I'll tell you what, though. I'd like to think that we could give you half a run for your money. I, that's but a I, squad. I do not think so. But no, a couple mate, of months we, training, that's a fair yeah, – you got a fair effort. Yeah, no, I don't think we'd get anywhere near it, mate. But <laughs> I don't mind it, though. It'd be good fun. Um, I have an interesting question. If you, I always like to, you know, if I, if I died and people yes. are at my funeral, yes. okay. like what would they say about me? Like, because oh, I would I love it. to be like, 
I was a great friend. Uh-huh, I was uh-huh. a, you know, I was loyal. I yes. was, you know, brightened up their day, yep. whatever it yep. was. Yep. Let's say we're at your funeral, but we're talking about your leadership. Yep. And like, I think this is also maybe hard because it's like, hey, I'm proud of myself. Like, what have I done that's, you know, really well? Sure, sure. What What do you think people would be saying about you and your leadership and like what, what you've given them yes. over the years? Yeah, yeah, great question. I think, like, yeah, I would like to say that I've been a really caring leader, really caring teammate, and I feel like the energy that I bring to the group, I think I foster a really healthy environment for guys to be themselves completely um, and feel a real sense of belonging as well within the group. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I hope they'd say that. <laughs> and, yeah, and just and, – and it's, it's you know, I, I feel like it's not all about me. I, I lent on guys to help with my leadership and spread the load and um, – yeah, I feel I feel like that'd be nice if they said a couple of those things. But yeah, for me it was just trying to bring really good energy to the group, and just like that was when I when I took the rollover, it was like, all right, anyone who plays under my leadership is just like can feel completely at home, feel like they can be themselves, and I feel like that sort of fosters an environment where they can just get the best growth out of themselves that they possibly can. So it's what I'm still trying to do, I guess. Yeah. I, th- I think I've loved listening to you speak because even from Oh, early on, you were saying when I was 12 and you just wanted to look after your teammate is the first thing that came out of your mouth. And I yeah. think that's something that's super – I feel like I'm learning a bit now, like just talking to you, and this is great, but your your team is first and you're more worried about them rather than you, and I think that speaks volumes of you in top bloke status. And <laughs> we love that. <laughs> but it's sort of – it was a funny period. Like you go through your journey and – of course, you want to be the best that you possibly can be. And early in my career, it was like, righto, I just want to get in the team. I want to play every week. And it was it was a meat focus. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, righto, I want to be the best. I want to win a BNF. I want to be an All-Australian. And it's like, all right, but then how fulfilling is that? You know, and you get to that level and you're like, nah, stuff. It's like it got to a point where it was like, I'm just going to give as much as I can to developing my teammates, just being a bloody good teammate. And then I found I got so much more back. You know, and just felt so much joy, and and I'm a lot more prouder of those moments than I am of any of the achievements or the accolades or whatever it may be. And I think you want to leave a legacy. This is how I see it. I 100 see this with you and Phoenix Creek. Is like you want to leave the basketball or football space better than you left it. But say you and I, we both started Flyers and Phoenix from from when it started to to now, and it's like I want everyone to remember how we made this club so special and I wanted to I want to leave it better than when we first found it and the the generations to come it's like it's smooth sailing and they're not having to go through the grit or the tough times or or you know keep keep on rolling the good times of what made it special love that yeah, yeah. do you th- do you find that creaky I I think that as you were saying that it reminded me of a I remember going back to my MySpace literally <laughs> I I this is really <laughs> strange <laughs> But I remember thinking, like, fuck, I've got a MySpace. Remember how stupid that was? Like, your top friends was argued about. If you changed to top friend, you were cut off. I always, my background was always, like, Calvin Klein or, like, D&G models. (laughs) Who who did I think I was? Phenomenal. But I actually, I go back and I remember I wrote a, a quote and it was just, like, just trying to leave a path others would deem worthy to walk. And I wrote it. And I've never... It's, I've never seen it be written anywhere else. Yeah. I wrote it thinking, 
probably at the time, oh, this will sound cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got older and I was like, fuck, that made sense. Real or off trademark again. it, trademark so it. I just want to leave a path that deemed worthy for others to walk. Yeah, that's a leap. So it's about, I guess, making, right? our, yeah. <laughs> making our own ways is one thing, but actually getting through it in one piece is another. Mm. And we get thrown so much stuff, it's hard to kind of deflect everything and absorb the good all the time because sometimes in the midst of absorbing the good, you absorb a little bad. Yeah. And it's like, I've got to deal with this now and find a way to navigate it. But being at a franchise, starting from the ground up, building it, you want to leave and then people go, that's not how we do it. When this person was here, this is the standard. Yep. Every day, this is the standard. Yeah. And that's that. the nice. That's the thing I hang my hat on the most. Yep. And I reflect back to that yep. little mantra I said. It's just like, if someone looks at my progression and my development and my career and say, it's not about the accolades because we all know that once you set a goal and you actually achieve it, that fulfillment ecstasy lasts mm. about. 30 minutes yeah and then after that 30 minutes you're in the muse again and you're like fuck mm -hmm. what now mm -hmm. like there's got to be something else yep. and you realize that life's about kind of trying new things sampling new things and enjoying new things yep. and along the way navigating what was actually important along the way 100 because you go that's really important this bottle of water is so important and then you get there and you're like oh that's actually not that important yes and it was this thing over here then you go to that and then the next thing and then you're 31 32 <laughs> years old and you're like Fuck, I'm about to retire. Like yeah. now you're starting to figure out. Now you're getting that enlightenment. And that's where for me it's about that path of, okay, would someone else in my shoes when they start to transition into this part of their life and career, would they kind of follow a little bit of that path and then say, but I'm going to make it my own and figure out my yeah. own way. Yeah, I think it. that's that's the that's the, the, the success secret for me yep. isn't about winning every game. It's about having the moments that others now go, I'm inspired to do this yes. and it changes their high kind of like life's navigation. Yeah. I think yep. you've done an incredible job of that. And I think the way you've gone into developing yourself and I know I've had a lot of conversations with Danny and he's spoken extremely highly of you and I've always spoken very highly of you. Vice versa. But I think right now you're in a place and you can talk on this a little bit because we spoke about this last episode the vibrational frequency in which you operate now is completely different. And when people talk about, oh, vibration and energy, they go, ooh, yep, yep. that's stupid. <laughs> well, it's not. It's actually probably the most like important aspect of my life. And I know it's definitely the most important aspect of yep. your life. And yep. it's becoming that of every single person in a high operating field, wherever it is. For sure. So can you speak about that and how you've gotten there what that means to yeah. be on a higher frequency, to be on a higher vibrational pattern. Yep. Yeah, really interesting, mate. That's um, you know, I've loved the work with DK as well. It's been it's been awesome. And I think, you know, for mine, it was just a just an exploration period of like, how good can life get? You know, how good can this be? How good can my days be? You know, and because you certainly have these periods where it's just like you get stuck in a an emotion or a thought or something that just brings you down and you follow that rabbit hole and you create this story in your mind that you just cannot escape, you know. And I've had periods like that for sure where it just drags on for weeks and you end up in this sluggish, lethargic, angry, just bitter sort of space and the energy that you're in is mirrored directly back to you. So what I've certainly found is like, okay, if I can have – processes and routines and things in place to keep myself at a really high level and just 
you know, and for me, it's like it, it just comes back to that vibrational fe- frequency. If if I'm having fun, if I, my relationships are strong, if I'm eating good food, if I'm you know putting my myself in a really healthy frame of mind and body, then as I said, that reflects back to you as well. So you're having deeper conversations, you're connecting better, you're far more present, which is probably more so what it all comes down to as well, is just being super locked into what you're ever, whatever you're doing right now. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been really cool. I found like, you know, moments where something would have ate me up a bit and ate away, ate away at me of being able to uh, be, become aware of that, accept that feeling, thought, emotion, whatever it may be, and just let it pass on by. And and you sort of go, oh, well, that was no issue. Yeah. And and problems that were a problem in the past are no longer much of a problem. And I've just found like it, it's played a massive part in terms of, um, you know, my footy development and not getting so stuck in mistakes and errors and and even, you know, fans slandering, whatever it may be. So, um, yeah, I'm still on this journey of like just figuring things out and having a crack, but, um, yeah, it's been pretty cool. Because we never really figure it out. Nah, we we don't even get close. People yeah. go, oh, you've got it all sorted out. Yeah, true, like, true. I've got no fucking clue. <laughs> <laughs> it's the biggest no misconception doubt, in the world. They, 100%. They idolise. Yeah. Like, we idolise people that go through the same shit we're going through. Yeah, On a larger level who may not be able to yeah. withstand it or accept it or move through it. Yeah. But they just pretend mm. like they do. Yeah. And you're like, oh, once you really get to the bottom of it, you're yep. like, we actually don't really know what's going on. But nah. if we start to learn ourselves, we focus on ourselves and we put ourselves in a great space, as you yep. said, well, then we can start to heal, yep. you know, whatever's going on and whatever comes to you, you're not absorbing that bad. You're going, oh, you know what? You're yeah. actually silly. Get out of here. You That's scram. it. Yeah. Dead and it, it, yeah. it feels really silly for me to do it at times, but yeah. I literally will be like, a thought will come in and I'm like, what are you doing in here? Get out yeah. of here, you bastard. <laughs> and I watch it go away. Right. And no, I literally yeah. like, I do it as a physical yeah. thing. Like, Yep. It's it's really kind of funny. Some people will look at me yeah. in the car or wherever, and I'll I'll be like, oh, "No, you're not coming." <laughs> Mate, I love I love that. Love weird shit like and that. And it's it's, it's my cue yeah. to be like, I'm not going to let this thought consume any part of energy that's yep. not going to serve me for the greater good. Yeah, and and it's interesting because that part that attaches to the thought is the ego, and the ego has got us to a position where we're playing this elite sport, and it's now at a position where you're trying to remove the energy of the ego and become your pure self. You know, it's just, it's quite an interesting journey. So, yeah. yeah. You've obviously gone through an immense amount of experiences and the the growth. I feel like we've spoken about your, you know, leadership journey for maybe teenage kids who are their leaders currently or maybe that they're in their early 20s and they're in the leadership group and, you know, their, their time is about to come. Is there maybe a few words of advice, words of wisdom that, wow. that, that you think kids out there could really benefit from? Yeah, look, I think for me even now it still comes back to the joy and tapping into the, the feeling of how you felt when you were a kid just running around playing the game you love, you know. I'm tr- really trying to to still harness that energy of like just that pure elation of going to training with your mates and kicking the footy in the backyard and trying to take hangers on your brother and <laughs> things like that. Like I'm just like, all right, just keep keep remembering what the game is and and how much fun you have playing the game and don't get so caught up in the emotion of it all and the pressure and the the atmosphere and things like that so for mine it's like just have as much fun as you possibly can and and the rest flows off that 
you know um and and yeah and the the rest of it is like the things that we have been talking about i feel like the more you give the more you receive so get around your teammates be an, be an unbelievable teammate um and nothing and also nothing just beats hard work as well and that's part of the fun too there's no better feeling than knowing that you have put in the work and you start seeing results mm -hmm. you know yeah and you can go to sleep at night you can yeah. rest your head easy know whatever happens yeah i know i was a good person yeah i worked my ass off yeah and at the, at the end of the day what, whatever happens is going to happen but yeah. you can rest easy knowing you've done abc yeah and, and and you've given yourself a hundred percent no doubt and that's to your deathbed point mm. like i you know i feel like we can finish our careers and finish our lives at the end and just go i gave that a bloody good crack whether it's a flag or not might not get anywhere near it but i know i gave it a damn good nudge and tried my absolute best to to bring myself and my teammates and the club to that type of level. Yeah. I don't know if I'm just tired from that week road trip I had, but I feel like I'm getting emotional because like we're all old and getting towards <laughs> the end of our careers. And I'm Shit. like, oh, yeah. I don't know, I was talking about acceptance before, but have oh. I, Jesus? True, true, true. <laughs> Everything hurts now. Like All the time. I, I finished the game yesterday and I got home, I got in the ice bath and I was like, Far out, I'm sore. Yeah. My hands aching. I was like, a couple tunnels. Like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> Am I my mum? Playing the piano for too long? Like, what's going on? Oh, it's a classic. But even that, man, like, you go. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's fucking good. How much good. work you just put into your body and trying to stay healthy and your mental resolve and resilience. It's just like, you get to the end, you just like, man. But I think that's, that's what awesome. makes us elite because we're a little bit nuts. Bit like, nuts. You you gotta be nuts. You've got to be good. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely love it. But I think it is... Yeah, just going back through your journey and guess what we've done. It is so special. Like yeah. I feel we've woken up every day being able to do something that we love yeah. and you've been given the opportunity, you know, to lead your wolf pack. That's, that's something that's super special and not everyone gets to do. I understand it's all relative. It yeah. might be different in a different situation or the person next to you, but mm. um, I think it's so special what we've been able to achieve and I think you should be so proud of what you've been able to do through, you know, your career and although you've given over the captaincy, like you said, I don't think leadership is a one-man show. Yeah. It takes a team. Like it, it is it is everyone yep. like coming together and s serving someone next to you because like you said, leadership is all different. People respond to no, people yeah. differently and even though you've given that over, you're still a leader. You, you roll out of bed, you yeah. know, and, and that's, that's just it. who you are. True, yeah, no doubt, and that's it. And it's just like, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun and, and it is just it's, it's so rewarding seeing other guys flourish in their leadership and that as well. So, yeah, it's been fun, guys. Good work. It's been good indeed. <laughs> Thanks, Skip. There you go, Skip. Get on them. So good. Now, this next little part is brought to you by Champion. This is our champion quote. This is the which of these two champion quotes best describes your view on leadership. So the first one is a good leader takes a little more of the blame and a little less of the credit. The second one is leadership is not about being liked. It is about being respected, even when making tough decisions. Mm. Yeah, like them both. But I think the first one definitely resonates more with me in my style of leadership. Yeah. Do you think that at some point in time in your career that that shifted? And when do you reckon that shifted? Because as you spoke about before, like I want to play and win a championship. That's, that's yeah, what everyone sure. wants to do. You want Preach. to go and win a flag. Like, yeah. I'm a Bombers supporter. My my dad and my sister are. We go always go on the boys. I, I love you know more cross Specky in the yeah, yeah. in the in the square. That was Cute. the best mark of the century. Yeah. Fletch just 
punch <laughs> and like deflating balls from the full back to no the full doubt. forward almost. No so I grew up an, an Essendon supporter. I know that's something that you want more than anything mm. in this world. Yeah. But at some point in your career, it shifted. Is that still one of the biggest things that you would love? I know it's, you want to tick it off, yeah, but if of you don't get it, yeah. do you feel like who you've become is enough to finish the game? There would be absolutely no part of me. And I can only say this until of the last couple of years, probably since doing a lot of work into just, you know, what we've been talking about. But no doubt you, you play footy because you want to win flags. Absolutely. But at the same time, there's no part of me that would, if I was to finish my career, there'd be no hole left in me or no sick feeling if I didn't, you know, it's, it'd be, no, no doubt be the best experience ever. Yeah. It'd be unbelievable. But, the Same parade, time. imagine that. I'd be in the front. I'd be, I'd be strapped to the front of the float going bananas. We wouldn't uh, see you for two weeks. Yeah. So I'd have yeah. a beer on my head at the front. I'd be, I'd lose it. Dad would right. be right next to me, sister as well. Legit. It'd be grouse. Legit. But yeah, as you say, there'd be nothing, no part of me that would feel an, an inch of sadness or whatever towards that, but absolutely would be incredible. But the point in my career that shifted around, you know, taking more of the blame, um, was probably witnessing Job and the way he held himself throughout that saga and just being the front man of it all. And all he cared about was just protecting protecting his teammates. And he took the brunt of everything. And it was just a, an enormous show of, of leadership, of care, of empathy for his teammates um, and the people that are close to him and, and people around him. So that was just a big, just light bulb moment for me. Mm. That's like it's. I got goosebumps like when you said that because I I remember situations that I've been in and other people have been in where they take every ounce of the blame mm, mm. and you're looking at them and you're like this is so fucking cruel. Yeah. How the hell is this guy coming in with a brave face yeah, every day? Because yeah. they might be in the car and I spoke about this with Beck in another time, but it's like there's days where you're in the car and you're bawling your eyes out and you're upset and you've got to come in and you've got to be the leader. You've got to be the skipper, the one everyone you know. You walk in and. Like I think how we all sit is different to other people. Like I tend to, I sit like this, and I'm like, I feel like an idiot. And I, I got to puff my chest up a little bit. You sit there, yeah, I feel you, lat yeah. spread, ready for a. Double, I'm not gonna lie, I'm always then. upright with my legs out too. Yeah. I don't know what that's safe, but, that's- <laughs> but I think that's the that's the part of leadership that people don't always see. Is it's the tough times where you walk in and you have the unwavering ability to yeah. be your genuine self yeah. for the benefit of your team. True. Because that's the most important part. Yeah, guarantee, man. That's just, yeah, <coughs> you just talking about that moments where you're pulling up to the club, media in the car park, following the following you to the door, door stopping you for questions. And, you know, you I don't want to be that wanker that bars them off because I know they're going to ask the next bloke that comes in. So I'll make sure I'm the one to answer every question that they want and they can get on their way. And it's like sometimes just fronting up to those things with literally you know, tears in your eyes. But you're just like, Fuck. Like, here we go again. And you just bunker down in the car and rock, right, let's fucking go. And you get out there and it's just, like a heavyweight man, match. Seriously. Come on, boys. Well, I remember going on AFL 360 once after my 200th and we got smoked by the swans. And I knew I was going into a bit of a, you know, an absolute heated environment. I remember sitting in the car and I just smacked like Eminem. And it was just like, <laughs> fucking pump the tune. Like, Let's fucking go. You <laughs> were in there. Eminem. Like, yeah, fucking classic. It was anyway. knees, weak arms. Yeah. Yeah. Just, going just before you better go and get absolutely blasted absolutely by the Fizzed up, yeah. Mum's oh, spaghetti shit. all over. 
yeah, yeah. But yeah, classic time. And it's just like, yeah, you're right. You do. Yeah, and, and at times you got to be, yeah, of course, vulnerable in front of the boys at times. But more often than not, you got to put on a brave face and just be that light for the guys to feed off. And they're look, always looking to you to see the dynamic and the energy of the group. So, yeah. Well, Dice, uh, thank you for being our ray of sunshine today oh, and your geez. your true authentic self. Um, I think having this chat about, you know, being a skipper and what you've been through has been really eye-opening for me. I've really enjoyed it. So I want to thank you so much for coming on our episode today. Obviously, we want to thank Champion. Without you, uh, this episode wouldn't be possible. So make sure you guys like, subscribe, share it on your Instagram, whatever you want to do. And, um, yeah, download the Performance Circus. With Mitch Creek and Beck Cole. Let's go. Oh. Thanks, Dice. You're a legend, mate. Good on you guys. Proud of you, both years, and love what you're doing. Thanks for having me on. Good stuff. Good Legends. stuff.